Welcome to Heart of the Enneagram. I'm Chris Copeland. And I'm Sandra Smith. And we invite you to take a courageous and loving look at what is. could have saved a lot of my energy had I simply trusted the unfolding of my life. What you most desire, what you most desire in your deepest self, that is already here and already coming. Sandra, here we are in the final episode of season five. Chris, what a season it was. So many pearls of wisdom from our guests and just fun to do this with you. Yeah, you know, we looked into um, elder wisdom. We talked to our elders and they reflected on their lives and shared amazing stuff with us. Uh, And I'm grateful to have done this. And I'm excited today, Sandra, that we actually get to um, reflect back on the season together just to listen again to some of the uh, expressions of these elders, uh, their journey, and some of the Enneagram wisdom that they brought forth, uh, just modeled in their lives. Yeah, you know, one of the people, Sandra, that we uh, weren't able to have uh, in a separate episode uh, was our, our friend and former professor, Thomas Tongaraj. Dear Thomas, uh, it was just a treat when I first met you and we thought we would do this journey of podcasting that we both had been to Emory. We both had Thomas as a professor and we both journeyed to India with him in different summers when he would, he would lead students from Emory for a summer in India. And we went at different times, but oh, what a rich experience that was. Uh, it was incredible. Um, you know, and we, we had the chance to interview him and reflect back some on those summer experiences, which was great. In fact, um, I'm sure you'll remember, we chatted a bit about this uh, CD that we recorded when I was there that summer. I was so impressed with you, Chris, that you're on a CD in India. That's right. And then, then you burst into song in Tamil. In the language of Tamil, you remembered it. Singing Tamil, exactly. Um, but, you know, the connection with Thomas, who is in India, was uh, not very good. And so we weren't able to uh, pull a full episode out for him, unfortunately. But we wanted to share uh, with you, our listeners, um, some words that Thomas offered about how he thinks about elder wisdom. Right. Now, I will say that our connection with Thomas was great, but the internet connection was not so hot. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough, Sandra. <laughs> well, yeah. let's, let's listen to how Thomas talks about elder wisdom. Being an elder in India means that you don't have to do everything yourself. Your uh, dignity is not in the fact that you can do it. The dignity lies in accepting help. That willingness to accept help makes being an elder smooth. If I was resisting and saying, I want to do it myself, then I am in trouble because one, I won't be able to do it. Number two, I'm refusing the wonderful help that is available. So in one sense, it is accepting 
my limitation with a sense of grace and let people help me. The beauty of uh, uh, being an elder in India is people are willing to help you and you are willing to accept it. Yeah, that was just so different, Chris, in India, in that culture than it is here, where elders are so respected. And as Thomas said, it is my duty to receive help. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so, so true, Sandra. You know, uh, the other, one of our favorite questions that we love to ask uh, our guests was this one about what would you, you know, if you had an hour with your 25-year-old self, uh, what would you say? And we got some amazing responses. That, I think, Chris, may have been some of the most tender moments in each of the episodes. Mm -hmm. It was quite precious. Yeah. So shall we listen in uh, as Luther responds to that question? Yeah, absolutely. Let's listen to Luther Smith, uh, Professor Emeritus at Emory, uh, and as he reflects on how he would talk to his 25-year-old self. Do not feel as if you have to have a goal, some five or 10 or 15 or 20 years out that will somehow or another determine not only your career, but your associations, um, as well as perhaps some things that you're not really interested in, but somehow or another must be done in order to uh, reach the uh, expectations of, of who you will be in five or 10 or 15 years. But, but take seriously what you now feel, Luther, what you now think, Luther, about the very next steps that are a response to the reality of your heart. Uh, Luther is, in my experience, so filled with compassion and kindness. And I hear him offer that as he has a conversation with his 25-year-old self as well. I'm so appreciative. And for a 25-year-old self to trust himself so fully, to let his own heart lead him rather than any practical advice of others. Yeah. Well, and you may remember, Sandra, how much that touched me, uh, yes. you know, reflecting on my own 25-year-old self when I was a student of his. Um, right. So right. important. Such One of our powerful moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we also, you know, talked to Sandra Maitri, um, and she did some reflecting uh, about what she might say to her 25-year-old self. The resolution is turning toward myself and learning to open my heart to what's here instead of having my heart closed to what's here. That's really the main thing. And, you know, what she says is something we all can hear because to know when I'm open to my heart and when I'm closed to my heart makes all the difference. We can be so externally focused that we're not even aware if we're defended or open. And it was a beautiful reminder that she offered us. Yeah, it was, it was. And I really enjoyed our conversation with Billy Vaughn, who just retired from Memphis Seminary. I think his response surprised me <laughs> the most. We said, so Billy, you know, what would you say to your 25-year-old self? And here he is. I think the first thing I would say to my 25-year-old self is thank you. Uh, that 25-year-old self 
uh, had made it, it was right around that time in my life, made a, a, some real that about life being an adventure and living it and taking some risk. Uh, now those kind of risks were leaving the parish, uh, the safety of salary and appointment and uh, reputation and all that and joining uh, this sort of radical Christian community in Evansville, Indiana, and um, without any certain on the other end, that 25-year-old said, it's, it's, this is where I belong. This is where I, I want to go, and I believe in going. I believe I'm called to go, and so I did it. I love that he said, the first thing he said was, thank you. Gosh. Right out of his mouth without thinking, thank you, 25-year-old self. I mean, to me, to be able to, to, so many of us, I think, sort of struggle sometimes when we look at our 25-year-old self, but to be able to say, thank you for the risk that you took. Thank you for who you were. Oh, that just filled me with delight. Made me think, what about my young self do I most appreciate? Yeah, well, well, let's, that's a great segue, Sandra. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, you know, what would you say, um, or what would, how might you express gratitude, however you want to answer that, to your 25-year-old self, Sandra? Well, you know, after listening to each of our guests name that, of course, I mean, you and I have talked about this. It did engage us in some of this reflection. Mm -hmm. And for me, coming from my 63-year-old self now, I, I think I would assure my 25-year-old self that good things are worth waiting for and to trust the unfolding. I don't have to effort so much. I don't have to make an impact that there is a force and that which is greater than me that I can trust and the unfolding will be for my good if I can trust that. So that's what I think. Whether my 25-year-old self would believe that, now that's a different story. <laughs> but from this perspective, I'm now knowing, boy, I could have saved a lot of my energy had I simply trusted the unfolding of my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love that. I, um, I resonate a bit with that as well mm -hmm. in terms of what I might say, um, Sandra, is that sort of trusting, you know, I, I spent so much of my life, particularly in my 20s, making stuff happen, right? Mm, right. Uh, and, and that trusting the unfolding is a beautiful part of that, uh, offering that wisdom. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what else would you say to your 25-year-old self? You, you know, as I've thought about it, I really, the, the thing, first thing that came to my mind is I wouldn't say anything at first. I think at first I would sit with, walk beside, um, accompany in some way this beloved 25-year-old because I, partly I think my 25-year-old self, 25-year-old self would, would look at me and be like, who the hell are you and, and what do you have to say? <laughs> um, and I think part of it is just, just wanting to offer love and acceptance and um, a space of welcome, just who you are. Oh, and even delight, right? Just who right. you are at 25. It's just precious. It's delightful. It's uh, you are beloved, you know, as I often use that language. And so I, that's how I'd want to start is just offering that kind of energetic 
space and embrace. Um, and then I would probably say something about trusting. I think that's a big piece of it. So much of my life has been about yearning and longing and, and all of that, of course. But really being able to say what you most desire, what you most desire in your deepest self that is already here and already coming. Mm-hmm. And just, you can really trust that, relax in that, lean into that. It's already happening and it will come. That is so tender, Chris. So tender. I love how you almost just offered a receptivity to that 25-year-old, just made space for your 25-year-old self. Yeah, yeah. And, and how we... I know I could could use more of that to offer myself that kind of space. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we we kind of forget to do that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I will say, "Oh, sweet one, come here, sweet one." <laughs> Just imagine you doing that, actually. <laughs> and suddenly, your dog Harvey comes over. Right? <laughs> so true well we also in addition to the 25 year old self question we we just had other questions but during the interviews we had so much uh, wisdom that spoke to enneagram type and some that went beyond it and i love uh, a couple of things that barbara brown taylor said in our episode with her she was so articulate and fun well, and what was cool was you may remember that we, you know, she wasn't totally sure of her type when we got started. Right. And so part of our interview was helping her maybe discern and us discern with her. And so when she had the, these quotes came out of her mouth, we both sort of looked at each other like, hmm, seems some pretty clear type here and some great wisdom regarding that. One of the pieces that I remember about that interview was how creative, how creatively she turned that placement of attention for type four, which is on what's missing. And in her teaching, use that in particular ways to see a broader perspective. Let's listen in. Most of the ways I think about what I wanna write or preach or speak about is to think about a topic and then uh, track the way the, most of the culture seems to view that thing. And then I turn around and look in the other direction because I'm positive there's, there's something ignored back there that if everybody's looking that way about productivity and being busy in social media, there's something being ignored in the opposite direction. So if that's out of the box, behind the box, I guess. But, but that has actually been such a helpful practice. You know, I so appreciate, Sandra, this, this ability, as you say, to take that, that focus of attention about what's missing and allow it to become a gift really and sort of what's not being what's being ignored in the opposite direction can i turn and look the other way and see what's missing for the benefit and the beauty and the um the gift of uh, that what we're missing and i i just love how she did that and also really talking about beauty you know beauty at the core this appreciation of beauty let's listen in as she talks about that beauty and justice seem to go together in other words beauty is not just about pleasure for me to appreciate what's lovely is to pine and yearn and hurt for that which has been made unlovely. That just so touched me how she brought that together. I really appreciated that. That that beauty and justice, she doesn't separate. I love that. Well, and, and man, Sandra, she has a way with words, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
That's like uh, pine and yearn for that which has been made unlovely. Oh, gosh. Wow. Well, I will have to say, Chris, that you and I, I think, were quite courageous to do a typing session with her as a podcast episode, the three of us were all quite uh, anxious about it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I think it came out all right. I it think she enjoyed right. it. So. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do that with her. Yes. Well, you know, we also talked this season, Sandra, with uh, Cheryl Cohen. Cheryl, who leads with type 8 and is a, a psychotherapist, psychologist uh, in Cincinnati. And she talked about uh, this... The, tendencies of the eight around power and making an impact and all this this great language about leaning forward you remember sort of always sort of leaning forward in the chair when i work with the assert types three seven and eight i'm always saying in meetings just sit back just sit back but she really looks at um power impact and then the power we get in receptivity it was beautiful Mm When you go in and down and you get with yourself and you can quiet yourself down, you afford yourself a different kind of vision. You can see what's going on with you. You can see what's going on in your circumstances. You can see what's going on with other people. And so that invites a different kind of presence than being concerned with how am I coming across, how am I doing, you know, all those (laughs) occupations that are, you know, certainly relevant when you're 20s, that are much less relevant for me now. So I'm less concerned about how how I'm doing with how I'm connecting. And Sandra, you know, receptivity is, is at the core for all of us in terms of this openness. We talk about this even with a curious mind and open heart. You know, it's all about ways of being receptive. And I remember, again, back to Billy Vaughn, just uh, as a nine, he leads with type nine, but naming how important journaling was for him. Mm-hmm. And then we realized, gosh, that's really an act of self-remembering for type nine. Yeah, just reflecting on your life. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just great. And you'll remember too, uh, talking with Luther Smith again, uh, he, he articulated this beautiful aspect of the nine, uh, this, uh, this ability to be available uh, to himself in the moment, in the midst of conflict versus premeditating or you know, sort of imagining what's going to happen, but really trusting himself and being grounded in the moment. That was just so powerful. And that's the real mediation part of nine. You know, the mediator tends to, to pre-think it, but there was Luther right there in it without the pre-thinking. It was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then we talked to Jeanette Stokes and, uh, from the Resource Center for Women in Ministry in the South. And Jeanette talked about living in this uh, sixth type and what the wisdom that she's learned from that. I think I have learned, in part from Enneagram work, that silence is good for all of us. And that stopping the chatter and, I mean, the outside chatter, stopping the news, stopping the doing 
and just letting myself sink into the moment is a little scary, but it's also often the most reassuring thing I can do. You know, in that interview with Jeanette, I remember her saying several times, just keep going. She would tell herself, just keep going. I feel the fear. I just keep going. And, you know, when I hear type six say that, it just reminds me how courageous they are because they so feel the fear that the rest of us don't so much. Yeah. yeah. And the power she talks about of silence as a way to sort of quiet the mind. Uh, and, and I think that supports that moving forward uh, in the midst, even in the midst of fear. Yeah. And Chris, I loved moving back into the Sandra Maitri interview, uh, your question, uh, given this, this time in our country and our global history, here we are, some of us studying the Enneagram. Is that a kind of a privileged thing to do? And how do we work with that? Yeah, and let's listen how she responded. I do think that inner work requires uh, a, a certain covering, as Claudio used to say, of the instincts, of our instincts. In other words, not being concerned about self-preservation, whether we're going to survive or not. Uh, financially or racially or, you know, in any other way. Um, and we need to have reached some kind of social satisfaction where we feel like we're a part of some kind of community. We have a place in it. Uh, and, and as I say that, I realize that that's a lot of what the um, racially persecuted people are really crying out for, both those things. Um, and, then, and then we need to have good relationships or at least satisfying relationships, good enough relationships with others where we feel seen and heard and gotten and so forth. And of course, that's another part of what the eruptions are all about today. You know, I appreciate, Sandra, one of the things that you said in that interview connected to what Sandra said too, was how um, when we work on ourselves, we're also offering ourselves in terms of compassion and presence to the world. Um, and I think this inner work is also outer work. Mm -hmm. And not to be cliche about it, but you know, we often use this quote from Gandhi you know, be the change you want to see. And sometimes we, we, we make it sort of superficial, but this is part of what this is, is sort of how can I embody peace and how can I embody justice and how can I embody compassion uh, by doing that self-work that really then impacts not just the people in our lives, which it certainly does, but really the energetic presence of the world. Yes. And I think that calls all of us to, to help the world by making spaces where people's needs are cared for, right? Yes. How, we can't all do this work if our, if our uh, needs aren't cared for. And so this is a call and a commitment to do that, provide that support for others. Chris, the Enneagram offers uh, so much insight and wisdom for humanity. And yet to remember that we are a mystery mm -hmm. and that we can't close the book on ourselves or others just because we know our type or their type. Mm -hmm. And as I say to folks at workshops, you know, if you meet someone 
and they say, well, I lead with type seven, what we need to be thinking internally is, oh, I wonder what this person will teach me that's new about type seven, rather than thinking, oh, I know about you, because we don't. Uh, I love that, Sandra. It's the, there's such a, there's a curiosity to that, an openness to that. How will I learn today? What will you teach me? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It reminds me about from the very beginning of us doing this podcast together and why we wanted to do it was to really provide a space to go deeper and to not, um, to be careful and mindful about not just stereotyping Enneagram types and, and sort of superficializing this system, but really allowing it, us to be open and to go deep and to discover ourselves and others. And that's an amazing gift of this Enneagram. Well, and I think it's part and parcel why we certified with the narrative tradition, because it's a teaching using panels, as Helen Palmer back in the day in Berkeley started doing that in a YWCA, <laughs> to see, oh, there are five sixes up there. They're kind of different. It's such a beautiful system, and we humans remain full of mystery, mm. because we each have a unique way of expressing our type. Well, it, that reminds me so much, Sandra, of that quote, another quote from Sandra Maitri about that endless mystery. Let's listen to that. We as human beings are an endless mystery and that you can never fully know reality because it's always revealing different facets of itself. And we have to get comfortable with not knowing. And in this time, Chris, of uncertainty and not knowing, each of us has to find our own bedrock. Who we are, what is foundational, and to know that there is ground in each of us that we stand on and we can trust that. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. So Sandra, as we close this episode together, I just want to say uh, a word of, of deep appreciation to you um, for the immense amount of work that you put into this and that we do this together. And I really love it and have a lot of fun and learn a lot. So I'm grateful. I could say those exact words for you, Chris, but so have appreciated your, really your meticulousness. You know, you have an aesthetic in your ear like our editor, Eric, does. And it just makes these all the more quality. And uh, thank you for your guidance. The way that you, you ask the question, the way that you track our guest, it's just a delight uh, doing this with you, engaging with you. So thank you, Chris. Mm, you're welcome. We are a good team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, Sandra, as we sign off, we say, as we always do, with heartfelt gratitude, I'm Chris. And I'm Sandra. And we invite you to continue to take a courageous and loving look at what is. We want to thank all who've made this podcast a reality, including Wake Forest University Program for Leadership and Character for their financial and institutional support. Sally Ann Morris, who created our theme music, and Logan Greenhall, who's been a great website guru for us. Also, thanks to Eric Merle for his quality editing expertise. Special thanks to the Narrative Enneagram and our mentors, Helen Palmer and Dr. David Daniels, its founders. 
And of course, a big thank you to all of our guests. For more information about this podcast and how to get a copy of our book that serves as a companion for deepening personal and spiritual growth, visit heartoftheenneagram.com. And be sure to click the subscribe link so you don't miss an episode. In the days that lie ahead, may your mind be curious, your heart courageous, and your presence compassionate.